0: Well, Bo Nix sort of rocked the college football world, surprising many, including myself when he decided to come to Oregon. So why exactly did he come to the ducks? He gave a little bit of insight that led me to a couple of potential theories. We'll explore that. And unfortunately Frank Capnong, the Oregon center has entered his name into the transfer portal. The sophomore from Cameroon originally will not be playing for the ducks this year, breaking all that down today on Locked On Ducks with my bloodshot left eye. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view. Every day, it's part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every single weekday. Please like and subscribe, like and subscribe, leave a five-star review wherever you're listening to this show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and to the channel on YouTube as well. If you want to hop up in the comments and interact with me or on the show, always love seeing that sort of stuff today's episode of locked on ducks is brought to you by bet online bet online has covered the season with more props odds and lines than ever before bet online where the game starts and for those of you watching on youtube you can see yeah my left eye is a little red i was golfing today it was windy all sorts of dust and dirt and grass and pollen was blowing in my eye so here we are don't don't jump to any conclusions so why did bo nicks come to oregon it's a question that I was pondering when it got announced. It was sort of puzzling because I didn't see it coming. I knew that he was in the transfer portal, but never for a second did I consider, oh, maybe the Ducks will go after Bo Nix. Well, maybe Bo Nix will come up to Oregon. Maybe that's where he wants to go. So today we're exploring why he might have come to Oregon. And I just think it's interesting because nobody in their right mind actually thought he was coming to the Ducks. And if you're saying, no, I, no, I I totally called it. Send me a screenshot of the receipts at Smalls underscore 55 on Twitter, as you see down below, or at Locked on Ducks. If you have a receipt before Bonex transferred saying, I think Bo Nix is going to come to the Ducks, I will give you mad props here on the show if you can prove that. But I don't think any of you can because it was just not something that really anybody expected. I think it caught a lot of people off guard, myself included. And then you start to look at the situation and say, okay, there's the past relationship with our new offensive coordinator, Kenny Dillingham, who's going to be a first time full-time play caller. I think he was involved a little bit with Florida state and Mike Norvell is the head coach there. And, What Bo Nix said recently after practice, which is what we're kind of diving into today, was that back at Auburn, it was Gus Malzahn's offense, and Dillingham obviously was a part of that, right? The offense coordinator, just because he isn't calling plays doesn't mean he isn't doing a lot of work on that side of the ball. That's his job, um, obviously. So Bo Nix was asked recently after Oregon practice, and these media availabilities are a way for us to get at least some insight, sometimes, into the mindset of coaches and players, the day-to-day happenings at practice, interactions between players, the depth chart, and all this sort of stuff that that we cover for you here on Locked on Ducks. And so Bo Nix was asked, you know, why Oregon? And the first thing that he said was, why not Oregon? They always have great talent. They're always well coached and they play in a good conference. That was sort of the, the summary of it. Now, much like earlier this week with Kenny Dillingham and and the offense and there being a lot to unpack in one sentence, we're going to focus on that. And that's, you know, uh, me summarizing a little bit what he said, but that was, uh, that was the gist of it. You know, why not Oregon? He said that. Uh, And then they always have great talent, always well coached and they're in a good conference. So I like the first part of it, right? I I think that Oregon being relevant on a national stage is why Bo Nix was considering the ducks, even, With the relationship with Kenny Dillingham there, if he stays at Florida State, maybe he ends up a seminal, you know, we will never know. It's hypothetical that that can't play itself out. But I think that him jumping to that and he answered the question pretty quickly with that response of, of, of why not Oregon right to me that that talks to. Oregon's brand having made its way South and the presence that it has down there. And, you know, people know Oregon, whereas a Washington state, even a Washington, Oregon state cat, like all these other PAC 12 schools that are not USC really don't have the sort of name brand recognition that Oregon is. I think Utah is probably getting close, certainly with the Rose bowl that they played in this past season. I think they've elevated their brand a bit, but the second part of the sentence was the more interesting thing because he said they always have great talent. That's been very true over the last several years. Even before Chris Ball, there were a lot of players that were nationally relevant, LaMichael and Marcus and all the other guys that I could run through, but those two most notably. Everybody knows LaMichael. Everybody knows Marcus. Of course, he won a Heisman. But the talent has been there. The, the game day coaching, however, I think a lot of Oregon fans justifiably so feel that it hasn't been there at the highest level the last few seasons. And I think that that's a reasonable critique, right? The Chris Ball staff was very, very good at recruiting. They were the best recruiting staff we've seen come through Eugene so far, really in the school's history, hence why they got the highest rated recruiting class in school history. But there were definitely times that given the talent that has been on this Oregon roster over the last several years, that there were some underperforming areas uh, of the team when it came to Saturdays in the fall when we play college football, of course. So I, I think that that was a little bit of a coach speak answer from Bo Nix, right? Because he has to think of something, he has to say something that, that sounds good and compliments the school. And, you know, he, he also said, when, when asked about why he came to Oregon, he wanted to go where quarterback was the missing piece. And when he was asked about the crowded quarterback room that he entered, cuz remember it included Robbie Ashford at the time along with Jay Butterfield and Ty Thompson, he basically dodged the question. He, he he didn't go directly to, you know, and it was a good question. I don't remember who asked it specifically, but he said I wanted to go where quarterback was missing piece and someone said, "Well, Ty Thompson's been waiting in the wings. Robbie Ashford, Jay Butterfield, pretty highly rated recruits. Why do you feel at this place? He didn't give a direct answer. I don't have a problem with that. Honestly, I know that fans might want him to, you know, give us, uh, give us some juice or spice or something like that, but he gives sort of a coach speak response and doesn't really answer the question because he's not trying to start any fires. Right. And I'll explain why that's a good thing. After I tell you about athletic greens, if you don't have time to get better gut health. Athletic Greens is the way to go. More energy and optimized immune system. If you don't want to take vitamins and pills, just go with one scoop of Athletic Greens every day. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, cost you less than $3 a day. There's over 7,000 five-star reviews for Athletic Greens. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day that's it no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health athletic greens is going to give you a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs with your first purchase visit athleticgreens.com/college that is athleticgreens.com/college to take ownership over your gut health and health writ large and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance go check out athletic greens I'm okay with Bonick's giving a little bit of, you know, what you would call coach speak, right? I guess it would be player speak since he's not a coach, but coach speak basically means you go to the podium, you answer the question, but you don't really answer the question because you don't want to give anything too spicy. You just give a standard response that's not going to, you know, generate a bunch of headlines or drum up a bunch of controversy or or anything like that. And I think when you're coming to a place where, you know, it's expected or or at least this is what I have heard, that Bo Nix is only going to be at Oregon for one year, despite having two years of eligibility left. He's not trying to start any fires. He wants to come here, maximize the opportunity, show what he can do for the NFL in a new situation. And, you know, he spent three years at Auburn. He had some highs and lows, and he wants to give it a go at another school. And so he doesn't want to come in and, you know, uh, start a bunch of fires that will spread throughout the locker room or make any enemies, anything like that. So you you can make of the, the, the non-answer to the question, was the quarterback really the missing piece here? You can make of that what you will, but to me, it seemed like he 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 was just saying a lot without saying a lot, and I, I think that the the reason for that is he's just trying to come in, do his thing, and not uh and, and and just focus on football. And I'm fine with that, right? I'm I'm totally totally fine with that. So since he didn't really say very much about why specifically he came to Oregon, other than why not Oregon, right? But everything was sort of kind of kind of bland you know it was it was not very specific it just left me theorizing like why would Bo Nix come to Oregon and tomorrow by the way I'm going to have on Zach Blackerby host of Locked On Auburn to talk about some of the potential reasons and we'll compare you know the, the offensive line the weapons the defense that he had at Auburn last year compared to what he'll have at Oregon this year and see if he will be in a better situation to perform individually which is why you should like and subscribe to the show wherever wherever you are listening to and or watching right now if you're doing so on youtube thank you so much subscription numbers keep going up i love to see it i love seeing you in the comments as well i i love the engagement that that we've been getting with the show and i appreciate all of you for for doing that so why would bonix choose oregon i think it's I think it's clear from what I've seen about Bo Nix, what I've come to know about Bo Nix and talking to to people from the, the Auburn community as well about him is he, he wants to win and compete at, at a high level. And in his view, he probably sees Oregon as a better place for him to win in his final year. than Auburn was going to be coming into this year. The Tigers were six and seven last year. Now Bo Nix's injury definitely hurt them down the stretch because he was playing pretty well. He had them at, I think six and three at one point. And then he played the Mississippi state game. That was, uh, they were up 28 to three and then they blew the lead at home. That was not a very good look for the Auburn defense there. But I think when you look at, look at it from the perspective of Bo Nix, if he's thinking this is my last year of college football, I want to have a chance to get to the playoff. Oregon has a better chance to do that in Auburn because their path is easier. Right. The, the whole team comparison, we'll get into that a little bit more tomorrow with, with Zach Blackerby, as I mentioned, but Oregon certainly has an easier path than Auburn, right? We don't have to play Alabama or or Georgia in conference, right? We have to play Georgia first game of the year, which is tough. And Bo Nix probably going to be starting in that game for the Ducks, but it doesn't hurt our conference record and they can still, you know, win the Pac-12 championship and be a college football playoff contender, even if they lose that game. So I think that's the first thing that that he considered because he wants to be able to win in what just might be his final year of college football. Second thing, coach familiarity—it clearly played a role, right? Recruiting and college sports writ large are a lot about relationships. We got Christian Gonzalez from Colorado. Why we hired their defensive backs coach, <laughs> Demetrius Martin, or Coach Me, uh, as they call him, who's an awesome guy to watch talk. By the way, look uh, look up one of his post practice pressers on YouTube. That's a that's a guy that I that I would want to play for, Coach Me, but. He had, uh, he being Bo Nix, a new coach last year, right? He had Gus Malzahn for his first two and a different offensive coordinator each year. And then the new staff came in. So maybe he just didn't click with Brian Harson the way that, and the offensive staff, the way he was hoping to. And so he was searching for a bit of familiarity and he's going back to Kenny Dillingham, who When he was his OC, wasn't the play caller, but he was the offensive coordinator, one of his primary coaches. He had his best statistical year in the three that he has played in college football down in the SEC. So maybe that's part of the equation as well. I think that that certainly is playing a significant role. But another thing, and this is not an on-field issue, but I think it's one that definitely plays into how Bo performed on the field at Auburn. I don't know how many of you Doc fans know this, but... He came into Auburn, not just as a highly rated recruit, but as a legacy. So the Knicks name has been associated with Auburn university for quite some time. And I think that increased the sort of pressure that he might've felt playing quarterback, or it's certainly that he got from the fans, right? That ra- that raised the expectation level when, when you're a legacy, the way that, that Bo Nix is, I believe it was his dad who played at, at Auburn before. So, he had to deal with all that sort of background noise. And for his last year, he probably just wanted to get rid of it, right? I mean, he, he did it for three years, had some really good moments, played in some really big games, won some really big games, also had some lows, but the fans are very divided on him. I think part of the reason that was the case is because he was a highly rated recruit and because of his family's associated history with Auburn down there. And, and I think that that's, you know the, the, those are kind of the reasons that that i was able to think of if you have another one by all means drop one in the comment below on youtube or hit me up on twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at locked on ducks you can also also tweet with the hashtag ask lod pod but the, the those are just what i what i thought of you know the the coach familiarity that that's certainly there i think that plays a factor maybe he just didn't click with brian harson we'll talk with zach blackerby more about that uh tomorrow He wants to win in his final year and showcase his talents. Oregon, premier brand in college football, plays a lot of nationally televised games, chance to get to the playoff in probably an easier route than Auburn because you don't have to go through the gauntlet of the SEC and they don't have to play USC unless that happened in the Pac-12 championship game. And then just not having to deal with, with the fan pressure, right? I mean, Oregon fans are going to have expectations, but nothing's going to be the same as what it was down at Auburn with with the legacy status and the highly rated recruit that that he was, right? I think expectations a little more tempered, and so that can play into a guy's psyche, particularly a quarterback. And I, I think that's, I think that sums up pretty well. Most likely why he came to Oregon. And again, I, I'm just kind of spitballing here, based on the information that I know. There could be other reasons, but as I told you, Bo was asked the question. And he didn't really want to go into it in great detail, so that's kind of what we're what we're left to do in the absence of of more information. So we got to switch to basketball here because uh, Frank Kepnong is leaving the basketball program. That's that's not great. Before we get to that, first here's a quick note. Would would you like to take a guess? And you can do so watching this on YouTube or listening on the podcast. I will give you three seconds to think about it. Do you know? the player in the NFL who has the most Super Bowl rings in the last five years. Ready, go. Time's up. It's Kenyon Barner. Yeah, that's a really cool fact. So I thought that I would use that to transition to tell you right about Bet Online, your number one source for all your sports betting needs and sports info. Because who was going to bet that Kenyon Barner would have the most NFL Super Bowl rings in the last five years? Find all the latest sports developments, including this week's Masters Championship odds, podcasts, and reviews for all the different leagues. Bet Online, your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Yeah, there's a fun note about the, about Kenyon Barner there. Always love watching Kenyon play in college, man. He never looked like he was running very hard, but he was faster than almost everybody on, on the field. A lot, of, a lot of fun stuff there. I could go on for a while. But um, quick note on Oregon basketball before I get to Frank Epnock is my understanding, and it doesn't look like it has been totally confirmed because some outlets have reported it one way. Andrew Nemec, who covers Oregon high school and college sports very, very closely, has reported it another way, and he's very tight into the recruiting trail. Mookie Cook, class of 2023, is expected to stay in the class of 2023. There were reports he was going to reclassify to 2022 and be with the Ducks this fall. That does not appear to be the case. Nemec got that from Mookie Cook's family. Maybe that changes, but that's just something to... Something to monitor there uh, because I've seen that by some pretty significant outlets that, that, you know, names you would recognize, see it and go, oh, wow, that's probably true. Has not been totally confirmed. So the bad news for Oregon basketball today, Frank Kepnong is transferring. Now, I don't like this and I don't have to like it, but I can also understand it. I do understand it, but I really don't like it because I, I love watching Kepnong play. He plays with just a, a passion and energy and determination every time he's on the court, no matter what the score was, no matter where we were in the season over the past couple of years, his energy was palpable on the court and his improvement w- was tangible as well. You saw that in the numbers and it passed the eye test as well. He was getting better defensively, learning not to foul as much, how to use his size. He was a force as a shot blocker off the bench. He int- Sometimes he was better than Enfali Dante. That was certainly something that happened throughout the course of the year. There were stretches, and Folly was better overall. That's why he started, and Frank came off the bench. But there were moments where Kepnong was playing better than Dante throughout prolonged stretches of the games this year. And that's why he saw a bigger role than he did as a freshman when the Ducks got to the Sweet 16. And, you know, this was an Oregon team that didn't have a lot of energy, guys, right? I've talked a lot here on the show about how they lacked an alpha, they lacked a, a go-to guy, but they didn't have that many emotional leaders. And I think Frank was, I wouldn't say an emotional leader, but he was an emotional spark plug throughout the season. Emphatic dunks, big blocks, hustle plays. Just having that sort of tone on the floor, he always brought that. And that's why I loved watching him play. And you know, at the end of the year press conference after the loss to Texas A&M in the second round of the NIT after a nice win against Utah State, Dane Altman hinted, you know, that there were some guys who were not working as hard as past players have, and he didn't have to run anybody out of the gym and all that sort of stuff. I never felt that was the case with Frank, right? I I don't think that that is at all why this is happening like at all, because he was one of the players who I think improved the most from start of the year to the end of the year. And and you don't do that unless you are putting in the time and effort and practice and, and on your own time as well. And I think Frank definitely showed that his offensive game, just became so much more fine. I mean, he was getting to the point where every time he put up a post hook, I was expecting it to go in. Whereas before I was like, eh, it was like maybe 60, 40, probably not going to go. And it was nice when it went in. But when he would get a deep post touch by the end of the year, I felt supremely confident he was either going to get a good look or more often knock it down. And so it's a loss for Oregon, but I understand the move. From Frank's perspective, because Oregon's front court is about to get even more crowded with Kelo where it was a seven footer that I talked about earlier this week on the show. He's coming in the class of 2022. And so you now are just going to have so many bigs in the front court. And Dane Altman has had a lot of success with bigs at, at both ends, particularly at the defensive end over, over the last several years. Think of guys like Chris Boucher, Jordan Bell, Kenny Wooten. There, there are others that I'm probably forgetting right now if you went back even further there have been some talented bigs but and folly dante is there and he was playing behind him keller is coming in nate biddle who we barely saw this year was also a five-star recruit i know that he probably didn't look like that because he hardly ever played unless both bigs were in serious foul trouble but he can step out and stretch the floor maybe he'll see a bigger role next year as the backup power forward but Oregon now doesn't have a a defined number two center, right? And Kelo is seven feet tall. He can play the center, but I don't think he's going to come into college and be ready to play center. He'll be more prepared as a true freshman the first time he steps on the court to play power forward way more than he would as, you know, being the five men on the court because he doesn't quite have that that physicality or that toughness yet that, I was hoping he was going to be able to learn from a guy like Frank Kepnong and he'll be able to pick it up from Enfali Dante. Assuming he comes back with the program, haven't heard whether he's planning to leave or do another program or go to the NBA. As of right now, he's staying with the ducks. That's kind of what the expectation is right now that everybody else is expected to hang around, but we'll follow that as time goes along. And, you know, Frank is transferring because he just isn't going to be able to get enough minutes, right? Even if he had carved out a role for himself with Keller next year, which I think he absolutely would have been able to do, it would not have been maximizing his playing time potential because he's a starting caliber center, I think, in the Pac-12. Is he going to be a dominant player? No. But can you start him on a team and... You know, have him be a high energy guy who blocks shots and averages maybe six, seven points, ten rebounds, one or two blocks a game. Yeah, I think so. I think there are a number of schools in the Pac-12, even good ones like UCLA, that would take Frank. That would take Frank Kepnong and either have him be uh, a sixth or seventh guy off the bench that plays twenty plus minutes a night, or you, you could even start him. And so, I'll be interested to see where he ends up. Whether he stays in the pack 12 or at the power five level, or if he wants to go to a mid major, maybe maximize his potential offensive output a little bit more, but wish nothing but the best for that guy. He gave Oregon everything. He had such an awesome story. He's originally from Cameroon comes all the way to Eugene, Oregon, which is just crazy. And he was so raw when he got here and he leaves a much more refined and talented player and not, not a move that I was expecting. Davion Harmon, I believe tweeted out that he was very surprised the, that Frank put his name in the transfer portal. When you think about it, diving deep, as I was just talking about, it does make some sense. But as Duck fans, we can still feel disappointed that we won't get to see any more Frank the Tank at Matthew Knight Arena or watching on ESPN or Fox or wherever, because he was a really fun guy to watch. And I love the energy brought off the bench. So Oregon now has to replace that in their second unit. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go, Ducks.